Bienvenidos y welcome to Siéntate y Hablemos. El show brought to you by El Centro at Elon University with your hosts Nico, Maggie y Gaby. Bienvenidos y welcome a todos to a new episode of Siéntate y Hablemos. Today, we have a smaller group for the podcast. We only have um, Gabi and Mackenzie for uh, your host today, plus me, Nico Gaspar. Um, yeah, we have a smaller group, but not taking away from the importance of the subject we are talking about anti-blackness in latin culture we are small but we are mighty right so we are going to be taking down a a big big beast in our community um but first off we'll start it off light start it off simple how are you guys doing how has your i know for me at least these last further these first two weeks for of school have been chaotic exhausting tiresome how are you guys yeah right like we literally just started two weeks ago or something and i'm just already dead so this is going to be a great semester i can already feel it um yeah no i'm not excited i'm actually excited that um we're excited that we don't have class this tuesday and we got a snow day ice day whatever tomorrow so mm-hmm. i need that rest and relaxation you know yeah no for sure i definitely need that break tomorrow i don't even know what i'm gonna do with tomorrow probably just work mm-hmm. all day um, yeah yeah tomorrow is definitely gonna be like a needed rest day i don't know i feel like we hit the ground running like so fast with the start of the spring term because we really didn't have a break between winter term and spring term so for me it mm-hmm. feels like you know it's yeah. been like six weeks instead of like one and a half but I'm excited. I got good classes. Uh, our final semester is going to go out with a bang. Dang. That's the goal. Right. The money bags are definitely becoming a thing, you know. The money bags. Um, yeah, they call them money bags because if you got them, that means you're making money, right? Um, uh. <laughs> nah, that is. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I mean, I guess let's get into the topic, um, yeah. anti-blackness in the Latinx community. I, I want. Wait, hold up, what? hold up. I feel like we should preface this by saying that we are all non-black Latinx people talking about this subject. So obviously, yeah. we're gonna share our own experiences and research, but this is from like our own experience, not taking on the experience of Afro Latinx individuals. Hundred percent. And thank you for Gabby for stating that too. We are no also problem. going to be talking, a, we're going to get a little bit deep. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, the international conflicts between Haiti and the Dominican Republic, which at times mm-hmm. were pretty violent, were pretty starkly and intensely racist. So it's not something that, you know, hits a little bit close to home. 
we won't be offended if you skip this episode or if you only listen to half of it. Take care of yourselves. Don't need to be re-traumatizing yourselves with racial tensions, racial inequity. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that you learn the most in the trenches, in the ugliness of the world, in the way that you see, um, I feel humanity at its worst points. I feel like that's where you learn the most. I understand that it can be very uncomfortable for people, but also listening and having the conversation and having those, I had a class today and we were talking about it, those trench-like conversations where it's hard to get through them. Um, but they're, they're, that that does not take away from their necessity of being uh, having to be learned. Um, so if you don't know any of this information, I would uh, advise for you to stick around, but let's get into it. I want to start off with talking and asking the question of how, how was your guys' first relationship with this? When were you guys first introduced to um, you know, anti-blackness in the Latinx community and how did you learn about it? Because I know for me, it took a while and it, 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 it's still something almost new for me that I've really started to notice at least when I was, when I, as I got older, right? And that might be because of my privilege. I mean, probably is, but um, yeah. How did you guys start to learn it? For me, at least I can remember. So Part of, part of my own growing up is I didn't grow up with a Latinx community. I was, I think, one of the only Latinx people in my schools, in my neighborhoods. So it wasn't until I got to Elon that I actually started to learn more about my culture and about our, our collective community and about our history and our language. So for me, the first time I remember thinking about anti-Blackness was when I went home for um, the fall break of my first year. So I actually went um, back to Virginia where I'm originally from and I was staying with a friend of mine and I have cousins that live in the area so one night I drove over to my cousin's house who they're also part of my Latinx family um, but they've assimilated a lot more they connect a lot more with white Anglo culture I think than I do so I was over at their house having dinner it was going fine you know they're asking me about college whatever and you know as the night's kind of winding down, one of my cousins asks me like, oh, like, are you dating anyone? Are there any cute boys? Which, you know, we'll skip the heteronormativity of that for a minute. And I said something like, no, like, not really. You know, not a lot of the guys at Elon aren't really my type. And she's like, oh, like, you know, what's your type? <clears throat> and I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm more into men of color than I am to white men, you know, for a variety of reasons that we don't need to get into. But I was like, you know, um, I like Latinx men, Asian men, Black men. And the second I said that, my uncle like slams his hand on the table and is like, Mackenzie, you have to promise me that you'll never bring home a Black man. And I just kind of stood there for a second and like laughed it off like, okay, Theo, like, haha, yeah. we don't need to talk about that. He's like, no, like, look me in the eye and tell me you're not going to bring home a Black man. And I was like, like, I'm, I'm not gonna say that. Like, that's so uncomfortable. Like, like, no, and my aunt and my cousins were all around and my aunt was like, Mackenzie, you know, don't be silly. Just like, you know, don't, don't date any black people. Don't, don't date any black men. I was like, like, yo, I'm not gonna promise that. And they like kind of kept going on about it. And eventually I made some comment like, oh, like at least I'm not pregnant. Ha ha, well, look at the time I gotta go. 
and I like ran out of their house and called my dad and I was like hey I have to tell you this before your brother tells you I, I might have mm. just separated the family forever I might have just you know ended things and you know it's fine we still talk to them but I was so caught off guard by just how blatant it was that you know my family has grown up with this this history of, of oppression and you know barriers because that we're people of color but they're totally my cousins are totally unable to recognize that shared experience even though it is different in a lot of ways of being black and they still look down on the black community in so many ways so that was my moment it was wild that is intense <laughs> um I would say for me I kind of like yeah my parents were super wanted to make sure that we my siblings and I grew up within our culture so that meant I pretty much knew like growing up that there was a clear distinction between black people Hispanic people and white people you know where the white people were, were like what we needed to be what we needed to get to what we need to strive for um and so like I grew up with like comments about you know black like generalizing all black people like you know hearing my family say like morenos or negros and like just like you know using that type of language and yeah I just pretty much knew that sentiment was like always there um and like I think coming here to college is where I would also like similar to Mackenzie where I did like learn more about like the history more about like where everything comes from because like I think from like a societal stance like I knew that existed in the same way that like black people are discriminated everywhere um but yeah I think growing up yeah it was more of like don't tan your skin or like straighten your hair you know like the same similar stuff it was just always this like need to appear white in a sense or to strive for that like whiteness you know yeah I mean at least for me, I um, didn't have the uh, Latin America experience, but I had the experience of Spaniards. Um, I grew up in a very uh, small town in Spain. I didn't grow up there. I'm sorry. I spent my entire summers there. Um, and it was a town of maybe 150 people, maybe. Everybody knew everybody. The, my cousins were literally probably half the town um and yeah it was it was it was interesting because when I was a little kid I didn't really know, know about it because I was a little kid and I, I don't know I was just running around we didn't really talk about anti-blackness um in my younger ages um but no for sure once I started to get older and I started to um talk to my mom and talk to my parents about like just the differences between Spain and the US and seeing like the cultural differences between and how um, Spain treated black people. Um, and uh, there weren't a lot of black people in Spain. Uh, you would see them here and there, but um, yeah, I just remember sometimes hearing some comments from somebody and my mom would immediately look at me and she would say, like she would look at me and be like, that's not okay, right? Not of me saying it right, but other people saying it and looking at me and being like, that's not okay to say. Like he might be saying that, but that's not okay for you to say, for you to think for, no. Like that's not okay. Explain to me why it was not okay. 
um, because we grew up in a small town. It was rural-ass Spain. Um, country folk, you know, it's still very sexist, still very racist. And um, for sure, it's, it, it, it's something that I think about every day. Um, and I have an anxiety about that every day, especially because my girlfriend is Black, right? Um, and I don't think, it's kind of weird because we've never really talked about it. Um, but I've definitely had, it's definitely something that like I've thought about um, on my Spanish side that I'm worried on my Spanish side about how um, they'll act, how they treat her. And they haven't said anything. I've posted about her. I've been very public about her. It's not like I try to hide her away. Um, but yeah, I mean, my cousins have been very open about it, but my cousins are also very educated people, right? So I'm, I, it, it comes, it, it, it's so present still to the point where I'm worried to take her to my hometown in Spain because of the reaction that I might get um, and, 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 and the way that they might treat her. And I don't want, I don't want her to have to endure that, you know? Um, so it's definitely something that I thought, I've thought about a lot. And I've really been introduced to it the older and older I got um, to, to, to the real part of my culture in, 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 in the way, um, yeah, that we treat Black people in my culture. And I see, and now that I've grown up and I went back to Spain, I see it. I see the differences in how they treat Black people. And, and especially right now in Spain, it's so turbulent because of the amount of immigration that's coming in from um, the northern part of Africa um, and the darker skinned people that are coming in, because not all of them are black, you know, like some of them are Arab people. Like it, it, there's a lot of different ethnicities that are coming into Spain right now. But um, los Marroquíes, when they come in, everybody, oh, los Marroquíes, oh, los Marroquíes, oh, los Marroquíes. The first little bit of racism that I got in Spain was los gitanos, right? The gypsies. When the gypsies came to town, todos, las bicicletas, para adentro. Like, it doesn't matter what type of value you have. You see a van of gitanos, they're trying to rob you. So, and that might have not been the case, but at the same time, sometimes that was the case. So it was, it was a very hard, I don't know. It was interesting for me when I was growing up for sure. Um, yeah. I think your story brings up a really interesting point, Nico, is that you know, we're all, we're all from the U.S., right? Like, we're experiencing racism and anti-Blackness specifically within, like, the U.S. context of our racial system, our caste system, and our history of African Americans and slavery, right? But then you look, you look at Spain, you look at Europe, you look at Latin America, even, you know, within the different countries, every country really has such a unique history um, and I think, you know, it's devastating that anti-Blackness has kind of persisted throughout all of those different histories, but I think it's really important that we think about, you know, the ways that they're all, that they're all distinct and that they're all, um, you know, that, that they're different and that they come from different contexts. No, and for sure, I think, and thinking about it, you know, it, it's interesting because I, to be frankly honest with you, Spain's probably the reason that there is a lot of that anti-Black rhetoric, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Let's put, let's bring out the facts. Spain's probably the reason. We colonized, right? 
um we we were the one that 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 lightened the first indigenous skin when we had like the first mixed baby we were the ones <laughs> um yeah right? i'm not gonna hide around, hide behind that you feel me like right let's 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 bring it out when we need to bring it out right and right that's that's a fact you feel me and it wasn't just spanish people who did it right let's not get that twisted either french people english people Europe, bro. Europe, Europa, All European. right? Mm-hmm. It was the Europeans that came right. over. So that's 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 the start. You feel me? And so if you're if I'm going to the place of the start, it's gonna be it's not gonna be cute. Um, no, I- but I don't know. I think at least and and for me, I I grew up a soccer player and I grew up in the soccer culture in Spain. And the soccer culture is so, um. I don't know, prevalent, you know, and, and that's where I mm-hmm. first experienced like seeing racism in front of my eyes. I'm like, wow, dad, what was that? And he was like, that, that son is racism. When Daniel basically went to the corner flag and they started <laughs> making monkey noises and threw a banana at him. That to me stuck in my mind. And that was in Spain, right? That was to one of the best players in Spain at that point. And I'm like, dad, what was that? You know, and he explained to me, thank God he explained it to me, you know, and he, and, and all that, but um, no, for sure. I see it a lot in soccer. I see it a lot in, in, in those places. I mean, the Italians are the worst. I'm not going to lie to you because you can, you can pull up <laughs> Italian incidences left and right, but they're not Latinos. Um, so yeah, I mean, for sure. You can definitely see it in Spain and in, in the way that people talk, you know? Mm-hmm. why don't we define anti-blackness to begin with oh a brilliant idea yeah, we always do that you want to do aren't we blended so the definition that we have from the oh so reputable dictionary.com or no, maybe this is from Urban Dictionary. I like this one better. <laughs> the personal, cultural, social, legal, and structural attacks on people called Black, a result of the politically white privileged society in which we live. So looking specifically, I think, you know, in a U.S. context, like thinking about this idea that race is fake and that like, you know, we literally, like Nico said, colonizers invented this idea of race to have a people that they could subjugate, a people that they could use for inhumane forms of manual labor and put at the bottom of their of their caste system. So I think that's also really important when we're talking about this, right, is to think about the fact that race is socially constructed and blackness is socially constructed in a very different way in every country, in every continent. Yeah, and I think that is also interesting though, um, that it's so prevalent in Latino culture too, um, because there's so many different Latinos, you know, there's so many, and, and I'm saying coming from different religions, coming from different creeds, coming from different ethnicities, Mexico city is one of the, is the most diverse city in the world. Yeah. And, and you still have this, this this point of like, there's us and there's you, right? There's, you know, and, and there's always that, that those barriers that get constructed. And of course, those are socially constructed. And, and, and that us versus you is, 
is really what fueled this whole thing with the Dominican Republic and Haiti, you know? Um, where Haiti was mostly colonized by the French and the Dominican Republic was co colonized by the Spanish. And you can see the differences in languages, the differences in um, the way that they treat each other, you know? Um, and, and, and Haitians, I don't wanna speak on Haitian people, but I don't think the Haitians wanna be called Latinos, right? They were, wow. they were, how was that? How was how that? How was that? Well, I think it's interesting because the Dominican Republic celebrates their day of independence from the day they became independent from Haiti, not Spain, which I think is super interesting. Um, and that just speaks on a, on a whole as to their whole conflict and everything. But um, yeah, I think we can see that clear distinction right there because, you know, they share the island of Hispaniola and it's technically like on the Latin Caribbean, you know, side, mm -hmm. but they were colonized differently and they have different cultural aspects, but then they also have similar aspects. Um, but we see that there's a clear divide, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then actually I learned about this recently that the Dominican Republic, they had this massacre called the Parsley Massacre where they went around like killing, murdering Haitian families um, because they were at that time, um, was it under the dictatorship of Trujillo, mm -hmm. which is just terrible, terrible, terrible. So, and this is unconfirmed, but it, this is how I was taught it. But apparently they went around asking black um, Haitians how they pronounce the word parsley, which in Spanish is perejil. And in French, it, and then, French and then in a Haitian accent, it would sound differently. And that's how they knew who to kill basically. But that massacre killed hundreds of people and left a very clear sentiment within the country that Haitians and therefore black people are not welcomed. And I think it's super interesting because then the Dominican Republic as a whole um, struggles to accept their blackness. Yeah. So they struggle to identify as black. Um, and that is for various reasons and this one having been one but we can see that there that clear anti-blackness sentiment stems from things like this occurring you know and this wasn't even i mean in the grand scheme of history this was the massacre that gavi is talking about was in 1937 mm -hmm. so this was a, super with, recent yeah super recent if we think about you know other world atrocities if we can i think we can call this ethnic cleansing right we mm -hmm. can call this a specific attack on a certain group of people and to my knowledge, it's never been like acknowledged by the international community as, mm -hmm. you know, on the level that the Rwandan genocide was, uh, the Cambodian genocide, the Holocaust, you know, people just kind of, you know, it's brown people and black people killing each other, like we're just gonna push it to the side and not talk about that. And I even think right. today that the Haitian and Dominican border is one of is, is incredibly militarized. And I think the US mm. actually has a role in in maintaining that. Um, US normally has a role in Latin America. <laughs> they love, they love <laughs> right, to have right, their right, hands right. in all of our pies. Uh, yeah, yeah, they say South, you say South America to a person in the United States, oh, 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 oh what, what can we mess up now? Um, yeah. Another dictatorship, another coup? Can we make another coup happen? <laughs> they love their coups. The CIA loves their coups in Latin America. <laughs> 
I bet you they have like one of those tallies in their office, like blank days from the last whatever, like from the last coup. Yeah, like oh, it gets man, we've had a hundred days without a coup. We gotta make a new one. <laughs> what are we looking at? It's a little unstable. Oh my god. Yeah, and I mean, and even so, this is something that I I found in my research for for this episode even more recently. So, which is just so disturbing. So in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dominican government retroactively enforced this law that had been placed in 1929, which stripped the citizenship of anyone who is descendant of someone born in the country that was an undocumented foreign parent. So in comparison to the US, right, I think it's the 14th Amendment that if you're born in the continent, like in the United States, you are a US citizen. So this Mm -hmm. law that the Dominicans enacted in 1929 and then started enforcing in 2013 basically said if you are a descendant from anyone that is not a full Dominican citizen aka of Haitian descent then they are stripping you of all your citizenship privileges your documents your rights and so this has left I think over 40,000 people who are who are Dominican in every sense of the word have grown up in the Dominican Republic, who speak with that accent, who eat that food, who go to school there, who got married there, are now no longer considered Dominican under the law. And is that is that like for people? So let's just say like I let's just say a kid was born in the Dominican Republic grown in grown up in the Dominican Republic still lives in the Dominican Republic, Mm -hmm. right? and has a mother who is Haitian or 50% Haitian and 50% Dominican and their father is fully Dominican, would that kid that had been growing up there and now is like 17, 18 years old, is he now not Dominican or are they not now Dominican? Okay, so let's, okay, so let's make this up. So call that kid Juan, right? So say right. Juan's mother, Maria, who is half Dominican and half Haitian, say Maria was born also in the Dominican Republic. And Maria's mother was fully Dominican, but her father was a Haitian immigrant who never had Mm -hmm. Dominican citizenship. So because of him, because of the father of Maria, the grandfather of Juan, who was not a Dominican citizen, the entire family line would be denied citizenship. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So that, that means the mother the son yes the children after that son. my understanding yes because it's this you know retroactive thing right and is that for only haitian or is that just for like any anybody who can't like any any um country i guess so this is where the language is pretty coded right so according mm-hmm. to the article that i found which is from the guardian it is anyone born in the country to an undocumented foreign parent Okay. okay. So, you know, it could be an undocumented Ethiopian. It could be an, an undocumented American citizen. It could be an undocumented Englishman. But right. you know, we're looking at the historical context of all of this, right? And we're thinking about, you know, it's a land border, right? A land border. No, is- that's what I'm thinking, right? It's definitely directed towards Haitians, though. Right. Like, if someone's you- house could foreign. be right. one foot on the Dominican, one foot on the Haitian. Like, Mm-hmm. In in my reading of this, and I think, you know, like you said, Nico, we can read it as really as pointed, as targeted towards people of Haitian descent. Okay. Yeah. And I think 
it's also like super important a lot of people are like how is it still possible how how does it exist and why is it so strong and i think the dominican republic is a great example of this because trujillo's dictatorship lasted well into the 60s and that was like super recent you know like 50 years ago 80 years ago was the massacre like it's it's still and he left a really strong like sentiment of like anti-blackness in the dominican republic like very strong even though that's probably one of the most mixed countries within latin america that has a higher afro-latinx um uh like individuals it, it still he like literally tried to whiten the country you know what i mean so that is still yeah. very strong today and that's why a lot of people don't like to identify as black and resist that but all like even all throughout Latin America and I think like for me and my family like in um in El Salvador there are not that many Afro-Latinx identifying people like there are very very few you don't really see any black people there there's a lot of like indigenous and like mixed people but there's not a lot and, and, and even in that sense there's still that very strong anti-blackness um, that you cool. see within society, you know what I mean? It's it's still people trying to to lighten or whiten their skin, straighten their hair, like do everything to to resist mm -hmm. anything appearing indigenous or black, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is just mm -hmm. no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, which is just like I don't know. Super horrifying to think about, right? Like if we imagine the Latinx community as this blend of European and African and indigenous culture and roots and the fact that we think about there's so many Latinx folks that are just trying to like cut out two-thirds of our history mm. and of our and of our of our people it's just so devastating right yeah. like yeah. how much of yourself are you losing how much of our our culture are we losing and how much yeah. of the, and if the culture you know I feel like a lot of the beauty that comes with the Latino culture is because of the blending of the beauty of, of so many cultures. It's 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 the blender of cultures that that creates the best juice, you know, like you 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 put so many different ingredients in and so many from you come from so many different places. You have roots, you have European roots, you have um, black roots, maybe you have Asian roots, maybe you, mm -hmm. have, so many, you can have so many different roots um that then can build such a cool tree in my opinion yeah I, that might yeah, just absolutely be, but but um i think that 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 all of those different cultures you know combining manipulating into each other mm -hmm. makes a good dish you know you're <laughs> hungry yeah. i can tell feast <laughs> yeah no we owe so much of our culture to black culture as well and African culture like reggaeton music would not exist mm -hmm. if it weren't for those African drums mm -hmm. some of certain foods you know what I mean like there's so much embedded within Latinx culture that is black and we I feel like as a culture take it and make it as our own but we need to acknowledge that it's not just it's not something we created as a whole you know we got aspects from yeah. this and this and this and pieced it all together and created something but it, we have to like honor our history and where it comes from and I think um, I mean obviously the media does a terrible terrible job of doing this you know all the Latinx characters we see are very very light-skinned white passing um, you know there's just no one that's dark 
or just right. not even dark, but just black Latinx people. I mean, I think that there are a couple, I think in the media, I think that in movies, we don't see it, right? We don't see that rhetoric and we definitely don't see when we're, when they're depicting Latino um, people, it normally is, is um, not, they're not dark, they're lighter skinned, mm -hmm. they're, um, but there are still a lot of Afro-Latinos that are very successful in our American culture. You know, Afro-Latinos, they're all over the place. And, and it's interesting also to see what the Afro-Latinos that are in our celebrity world, where they identify more, you know? Do they identify, how much do they celebrate their Latinidad? How much do they celebrate their Afro, um, I don't know, Afro-ness, that's definitely not the word, right word. Their they're blackness, black, their black. blackness. Um, and, and it's interesting to me to see see those two comparisons. Um, and, and yeah, and how and how our celebrities decide to to identify more within to 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 celebrate more in, in what they do. And I mean, even but I will say, no, you go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. No, okay. I was gonna say, I feel like even Afro Latinx identifying people have like because of society have to choose one or the other. I feel like I've never really seen until recently people be like, no, I'm Afro Latinx, I'm black and Latinx. I feel like it's always either you identify as Latinx or you identify as black. And I think right. like that's what's in the media and that's what's in movies as well. There are no, I don't think I've ever seen a character that's Afro Latinx at all. All Latinx people are, stereotyped one way and that's it you know what i mean like it just just reinforces say, this, this idea main, that mainstream media i've seen i've seen a lot of afro latinos depicted in um in not as popular media right in if what? you look okay. more deep into it there is in what but i would in say what? in our in mainstream what? media give what? us recommendations in what media Please, in what media? Please go watch The Wild One. I think it's The Wild Animals. I can't remember what exactly off the top of my head, but it's a book. It's a movie off of a book from Justin Torres. He is a queer um, author, queer Latino author. And oh. his book is super good. Very, it's real. It's hard to get through. Don't read it if you're a kid because there are some very gruesome scenes um don't leave it out for your I mean you can leave it out for your grandparents to see um but it's it's um yeah it, it's one of those movies and you can see I mean there are definitely movies where I've seen it being depicted no um, but I will I say that I would say that in the mainstream media I don't see it yeah I was gonna like I don't obviously it exists but I don't think it exists outside of those niche like you have to go out and look for it you know what I mean like any name five shows right now. Just name five shows. Anybody name five shows. Glee. Okay. Are there any Apple No. The answer is no. Okay. Oh, the new Spider-Man. He is Latinx and Afro Latinx. Oh. Miles okay. Morales. Okay, and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. No, 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 no. He is literally exactly, he's not considered Latinx. He's never said that. His mother speaks Spanish to him, but he is never identified that he is Afro-Latinx. And on top of that, he's a cartoon. 
a cartoon. He's not even an actual person. So you but see, you, they can't even like argue? actualize this person. Even I remember, and, there- and even then, it's still 2021, and now like it, it's just happening. You know what I mean? Like these these fusions of yeah, cultures and races, identities are just happening right now because everybody's like, oh, okay, we have to do better. Da da da. da you know. No, but this was not happening years ago. This was not happening when I grew up. I would say that this is not happening even still today as we see new shows. There are still more white characters, if anything. And this even happened, I think the new Spider-Man is Disney, isn't it? Mm, no. no. I don't know. Okay, so I'm thinking Disney. Like, Disney's pulled this shit a couple times. Like, when I was when I was little, and I have younger siblings, so I think my Disney memory comes a little bit more recently, too. There was a show called Sophia the First. Oh, yeah. Which is about a fictional princess who is very, very pale, white presenting, based on Anglo-European culture. And I distinctly remember one day someone showed me an article that Disney had announced that she was their first Latina princess, quote unquote. And the Latinx community online just blew up, went off. That was me. Um, I was the community. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so they like, they retracted the statement and then they ended up coming out with a new show called Elena of Avalor, which Mm -hmm. is very based in Latinx and Hispanic culture. Um, And I have watched a few episodes of it so that I could know what I was talking about. And while Mm -hmm. it is, you know, a a good show and it's moving forward in representation, it really doesn't take into account any parts of the black or indigenous roots of Latinidad. Um, like a whole plot point of the show is that the indigenous people magically disappeared, which you know, if we know true history, th- they were murdered, right? We we committed genocide, right. but for the sake of a children's show, they magically disappeared. So, I think even in like Gabby was saying, in the limited media that we have representing us, that's you know, cartoon or not there's still a lot of problems with Black erasure, not just of the mm-hmm. physical bodies of Black people, but of the contributions in the culture of Black people right. in our community. There's this, like, there's this like need to separate Latinx identity and Black identity. And I don't know why, because the Latinx community is so like infused with, with both and Indigenous roots that I'm just like, that is just like, crazy and frustrating to see you know and that's why it, it bothers me like that we don't see these types of identities shown that people have to choose either one way or the other you know what I mean right no I definitely see that too like you definitely need to choose between one thing or the other you can't be both like another example of this is is in Creed 2 what's her name Tessa Thompson's character I forget her name is but she's Puerto Rican and black and no one knows this and she is Afro-Latinx as well. And that's why they made it a point of her being like Puerto Rican and her being Black and Latinx. But there's no mention of it without the, throughout the entire movie. The director just said that in an interview once. Well, I also have heard, um, I can't, I, I'm sorry. I cannot remember her name, but she is the girl or the woman in um, the Fast and Furious movies and the beginning ones. Um, Michelle uh, Rodriguez? Yes. Is she Afro-Latino? I know that she's a little bit darker skinned and I was I watching a, I was watching a um, documentary of how um, Latinos are portrayed in the media and they're talking about if you are a darker skinned Latino, normally the 
um, and you are cast for a role, you're normally going to be in a more violent role. You know, she Absolutely. plays this more tomboy. I'll jump off a semi truck onto the next semi truck and shoot the dude in the face. What are you going to do about it? And she never plays the pretty girl who can do go in a dress. The, you know, the different aspects of, uh, of what women can do. You feel me? Like women don't just shoot people in the face. If you darker skin, you know, like if you were lighter skin, they, they do that too. Um, so, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a rhetoric that I've also seen a lot is that the, the way and when, um, specifically female, um, Latinx and sometimes Afro Latinx, um, women are portrayed in, in, in movies and the roles that they get casted in. Well, you're bringing up a great point, Nico, that I think we can probably get into more when we hit like, you know, Women's History Month, I think we're going to try and do an episode um, talking a lot about this. But I would say that's a problem that all women in media face, right? I think it is only recently that we're really seeing the expansion of female characters, particularly female protagonists, outside of these roles, like you were talking about, like, either the woman that shoots everyone in the face, or the, you know, pretty damsel in distress that doesn't actually do anything. I think, you know, it is highlighted. Or the, or the woman who, like, is at the top of the food chain because she like corporate bitch woman, yeah. Right. She like lied and manipulated her yeah. way up into the power of where she is and like doesn't take any shit. Yeah. Uh, I think you know you get either it's either or and none of the above. I, I don't know. It's yeah. Look, frustrating topics. Yeah, and all of this is to say that as the Latinx community, we need to acknowledge and do better mm -hmm. and claim our history and like do the research ourselves you know like we can't just go around saying things just because our family says things and because it's not meant to be racist or it's not meant to be mean it's just a cute little nickname blah 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 blah, blah. no like we actually have to like stop no matter no matter what you know we have to just move away from this romanticizing mm -hmm. the white Europeans, the Spanish, you know, culture that was enforced within Latin America. Right. Cause that's how we was started. We can go mm -hmm. back to the start of the podcast. That's how it <laughs> was started. That's what, that's what was, that's what in the beginning, what was needed to survive. You feel me? Yeah. When the Spanish and the colonizers came in. That's what you needed to be. You need to be the lightest skin possible that you could pick up Spanish like nobody else. Mm -hmm. and, and you weren't there to question anything you were there to survive you feel me and, and a lot of that though those those ideologies were just passed down through generations and, and in the class that I'm in right now black men in America we're talking about how racism never leaves it just morphs oh. you know and the racism mm -hmm. that you see in the very beginning of when the colonizers came you see it here right? You see it in 2021 in just a different suit with a different mask on. You feel me? It has just morphed and evolved like humans do, right? Us as humans, we evolve, our culture evolves, and our racism evolves with mm -hmm. it. So say now it's morphed into like a colorism thing, you know, because now 
right the whole Latinx people not being a race and even you know that thing Mm -hmm. I would say racism in Latin America has morphed into a strong colorist right and the biggest thing is is that you see it right we see Mm -hmm. it around you see that it morphed Gabby you just said it you just said how it morphed you just pointed out the mask right and that's the first thing that you need to do is acknowledge it right acknowledge the elephant in the room acknowledge the racism in the room acknowledge the monster in the mask in the room and I think and then you can start to make progress and then you start to make strides on how you can you can start fixing that but until you acknowledge it and you say that is real is going to continue to sit in the background continue to morph and continue to be more and more ingrained into our culture to the point where we can't get rid of it and we're getting very close to that point if not we're already there and i think if we're gonna have you know any kind of closing call to action with all this right to kind of Mm -hmm. synthesize what we've talked about the history that we've discussed you know our own experiences is to really do what miko's talking about right and use our whatever privileges that we have, whether it's the privilege of being a man, it's the privilege of being cisgender, it's the privilege of being cis, you know, thinking- Or a privilege of getting an education. Education. (laughs) The privilege of being able to talk to people of different races, ethnicity, creeds, and that is a privilege. Being able to see other people and use that dog. Yeah. bro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And particularly in this context of anti-Blackness, right? If you're not a black identifying person like you know you use your you use the spaces you're in you use the roles that you're in to ask where where are the people where are the black people that should be at this table with us where why don't we have a black woman on this panel why don't we have any black folks in higher in in upper Mm -hmm. admin you know for example you know really critically analyzing the world that we live in and not being afraid to call out the racism in all of its different forms you know whenever we see it. And, you know, also speaking about Gabby's point is like really digging into the history, you know, like where, maybe where did your family come from? Like if you're a big fan of reggaeton, looking up, you know, the black artists and the black culture that really brought that music forth. Um, But I do think that it's important to, to recognize when we're talking about this, right? That particularly looking at family history, I think that can be divisive a lot of times, right? I don't think what we're advocating for here is like, you know, do your 23 and me. And if you're one sixty-fourth black, that means you get, you know, your black card black. and you can go around, you know, and uh, announcing that identity and claiming that identity when you don't have that lived experience. And I think that goes similarly for indigenous roots in Latinx mm-hmm. heritage. We have them, we should acknowledge them and learn about them. But if that's not been a part of our lived experience, a part of our culture, we should not try to take that label from the people that truly have experienced that. And I would say that if you see that, right? If you see, oh, I'm 2% black, I'm 3% indigenous, right? The way that you can celebrate that is by researching, is by understanding the history and what happened to your people, right? what things had has happened and then not only then are you celebrating acknowledging and then seeing history and learning but then you can also move forward in the ways that how you will 
maneuver the world so that you do not make those same mistakes that happened in the past. Just because they're in the past and they happened in the 1900s, in the 1800s does not mean that it cannot be repeated today, right? So make sure, even if you don't have that, do the research. Knowledge is power. When the dictatorship comes in, the first thing that they take away is the knowledge because people without knowledge is people without power. So to end this podcast, go do some research. Go go learn about an ethnicity that you ain't never learned about. Even if it's not Black History Month anymore, we should still be celebrating Black people, still be celebrating Black culture and achievement. Right, celebrate celebrate the people around you that are living in this earth, right? We're on one earth, we're in the same home, you know? We are all in the same home. And if you're not gonna treat your neighbor like you would treat your neighbor down the street, I lose respect for you, dog. But with that, I guess we'll end the podcast. Um, do better. I don't really know how else better. to end it. Yeah, just go get informed. Um, it's and, too late and, to already be doing research, you know. Right, and love getting informed though. Like, don't 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 bag on yourself if you haven't already. That's just the place yeah. that you were in before, and you are now morphing into a better human being, and that's cool. You know, that's cool. Acknowledge your past. It, I acknowledge the fact that my people colonized most of America. You feel me? Acknowledge it. That doesn't make me a bad person. That was the people in the past, right? Mm-hmm. and continue to move forward it's okay it's okay we're all learning and growing right just move as forward. long as we keep learning and growing Amen. Right. and with that <laughs> we'll see y'all next week and have a good week stay safe out here in covid times yeah Bye. Ciao.